Today on Golden Girls Sports, we close out our second season by talking about leotards, leg warmers, and Power Rangers. Marcus Allen. Mike Tyson. Extra innings. The tight end decoys, so it looks like we're running a draw play. Magic Johnson. Bobby Old. Tampa Bay Bucks. And they're off! The pig takes the lead! The chicken! In addition to friendship, sex, and cutting zingers, the Golden Girls might best be known for their clip shows. By my count, and I might be wrong, The show had no less than 10 episodes comprised of shorter clips connected by some loose idea. Sometimes the clips were scenes from older episodes arranged in a sort of greatest hits compilation. Other times the episode was made of short original vignettes meant to be flashbacks to events that happened in the girls' lives. Today's feature episode is one of the latter. Rites of Spring premiered on April 29, 1989, the 23rd episode of the show's fourth season. It was written by Eric Cohen and directed by Terry Hughes. The girls take their turns on a scale and decide they all need to lose a few pounds. All except for Sophia, who's more concerned that she's lost a pound and isn't the same weight for the first time in her adult life. When they first sit down to talk about all the times they've tried to shape up, their first trip down memory lane takes them back to a time when they signed up at a gym. In the flashback, they enter the shiny, laser-lined ladies' gym and talk to Yvonne the lean, leotard-wearing instructor that's just a little too chipper. I know you'll love aerobics. It stretches every muscle in your body. Honey, I've been stretching this body for years. Blanche, sticking your feet out of the sunroof of a Chrysler New Yorker doesn't count. The thing is, Yvonne isn't just a gym rat. She's also a businesswoman, which means pushing the girls into buying a bunch of stuff they really don't need. Fine. You'll also need aerobic suits, warm-up outfits, wristbands, headbands, leg warmers. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Leg warmers? Well, you need something to keep your thighs warm. What are you using now? Friction. That's why we're here. (laughs) Rose is able to resist the sales pitch, but Blanche and Dorothy go whole hog and buy two glittery black and silver aerobics outfits that make them look like the female version of tag team wrestling legends Hawk and Animal of the Road Warriors. Once they finally get into the workout room, the experience isn't quite what they thought it would be. Okay, everybody on their feet. Whirly birds! Whirlybirds! Jackhammer! The rest of Rites of Spring shows the girls getting their hair done at Sophia's personal stylist, definitely a bad idea, and Stan trying to sell them on joining some kind of positivity seminar group so that he can meet the quota and not get kicked out. But the standout part is that workout bit, which shows up in other Golden Girls compilations too. Yvonne was played by actress Hilary Shepard who was a singer and percussionist for the band American Girls before she became an actress. They released only one album, 
called American Girls in 1987. And a couple of songs ended up on the soundtracks for movies Out of Bounds and Tough Guys, in which Shepard also appeared. When she moved into acting, Shepard did TV shows like Family Ties, Murphy Brown, and Full House, and films Troop Beverly Hills and Theodore Rex, in which Whoopi Goldberg fights crime with a partner who is a dinosaur. Shepard's biggest role was as intergalactic pirate queen of evil Divatox in Power Rangers Turbo and its follow-up series Power Rangers in Space. Where are they? Come out, come out, wherever you are! Elgar, are you positive that they were inside when it blew? I'm not sure. What do you mean, you're not sure? Either the ranges were destroyed... Or they weren't! It was smoky, I couldn't see anything! Fine. Shepard also did two episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine as the genetically engineered love-seeking human, Lauren. Eric Cohen, who wrote Rites of Spring, got his start in TV writing for The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He then moved on to write episodes of Welcome Back, Cotter, Private Benjamin, and Amen. In addition to being a producer on Welcome Back, Cotter, Amen, and The Golden Girls, he was one of the creators of the early 2000s Olsen Twins sitcom, So Little Time. In the first section of the segment, Rose eschews buying new workout gear, preferring to stick with her PF flyers. The canvas and vulcanized rubber athletic shoes were pioneered by tire maker B.F. Goodrich, who patented the Posture Foundation sole in 1933. That's where the PF comes from. In 1944, PF flyers went to market and became incredibly popular thanks to ads that guaranteed that athletes could run faster and jump higher with them on, and that, quote, Everything you do is more fun with PF. Boston Celtics star Bob Cousy was an early spokesman for them, and American GI started getting issued them as well. Industry changes and legal entanglements with Converse led to a decline in the low-top sales starting in the early 70s. But new owner New Balance brought the line back in 2001, and they're often seen as high fashion now. The act of gathering at a place to practice physical fitness is a lot older than you might think. Some of the earliest gymnasiums were opened in Germany in the 19th century by the Turners, or Turnviren, a movement started by educator and nationalist Friedrich Ludwig John. Called the father of gymnastics, John hated that Germany had fallen under the influence of Napoleon and founded open-air gyms, complete with parallel bars, pommel horses, and horizontal bars, to keep young men physically and morally fit in the event of a revolution. And in 1848, there was one. And the Turners lost. Forced to leave Germany, many Turner members settled in the United States, where they carried on the tradition and opened gyms of their own in states including Ohio, Indiana, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and New York. But they didn't give up their political bent either, fighting on behalf of the Union Army in the Civil War and helping get Abraham Lincoln elected president. Discrimination against Germans became a problem during World Wars I and II, but American Turner societies still operate today, holding competitions in a variety of sports and cultural activities like art, music, and crafts. But they're not the only physical fitness club that can trace its history back over 100 years. The Young Men's Christian Association, commonly known as the YMCA and even more locally known as just the Y, was founded in 1844 in London. George Williams organized some of his fellow draper shop workers to create a Bible study group 
as a way to give overworked poor men a place to get off the streets for a few hours a week. After popping up all over England, the idea went worldwide very quickly, and the first YMCA's in North America were founded in Montreal and Boston in 1851. Freed slave Anthony Bowen opened up the first African-American-led Y in Washington, D.C. less than two years later. YMCA's have changed a lot over the years, but their goal has always been about giving people a cost-effective place to gather no matter what the time called for. During the Civil War, the Y gave Bibles to soldiers and began building facilities with dormitories where they can stay upon returning home. Swimming pools and bowling alleys were soon added, which gave way to exercise classes and summer camps. In World War I, the Y set up military canteens at home and abroad and helped soldiers, especially black soldiers, readjust to life at home. And the Y was a great help to men during the Depression, when lodging, medical, and recreation services were needed. The Y also helped start the USO, which was instrumental to service people throughout World War II. It wasn't all perfect, of course. Although they could volunteer to work there, women weren't allowed to join the YMCA until well into the 20th century. And when the U.S. government set up internment camps for Japanese Americans during World War II, Y volunteers worked inside them to hold activities for children. The Y was the first place to offer group swimming lessons, summer camps, and public fitness for bodybuilding demonstrations. Over the years, it would add programs beyond sports, beds, and libraries. Music classes, scholastic and government instruction, counseling for drug and alcohol abuse, and teen pregnancy aid would all follow. Its focus has always been on the health and well-being of local communities, but the YMCA was also the birthplace of some of our most popular sports. Volleyball and racquetball were both invented there, the former in 1896 at the YMCA Training School in Springfield, Massachusetts, and the latter in 1950 in a Greenwich, Connecticut Y as an alternative to handball. But one YMCA-founded sport stands above them all. James Naismith was a physical education instructor at the same Y training school in Springfield, Massachusetts. It was 1891, and his students weren't interested in the usual calisthenics. So Naismith took two peach baskets, affixed them to opposite walls, and had men attempt to launch a soccer ball into them. The first basketball game was played in December of that year, and it was a success right from the opening tip. Naismith would go on to help grow the game, even after he became phys ed director at the Denver Y and graduated with a medical degree. In 1936, basketball became an Olympic sport for the first time, and Naismith and his wife were in attendance in Berlin to see it happen. He passed away three years later. For Blanche, the gym is mainly a place to pick up men, and she does a lot of that during the course of the Golden Girls. In season two's Family Affair, written by Winifred Hervey, and which we have discussed repeatedly on this podcast, her wandering eye gets the rest of her body in trouble thanks to a guy at her gym. Blanche! Oh, dear, Dorothy, can you help me with the oh. chair? Oh, my back gave out. I figured that would have been about the third thing to go. <laughs> Honey, what happened? Well, I was in my aerobics class when I noticed this gorgeous man checking me out. So during the buttocks lifts, he motioned for my phone number. Well, I didn't want to appear easy, so I rolled over on my back and flung my legs over my head. <laughs> That's what I call giving him the brush off. <laughs> Aerobics are categorized by short workouts, usually less than 30 minutes, that aim to use 60 to 80% of a person's maximum heart rate. They were created by Dr. Kenneth Cooper as a way to prevent coronary artery sickness. 
He came up with the exercises at an Air Force base in San Antonio, and it was, at first, to be used by the military. But after Cooper published a book in 1968 on what he called aerobics, a dancer named Jackie Sorensen helped popularize the movement using routines set to music and striving for cardio fitness. Her dance aerobics gave way to competitive aerobics, which were founded by husband and wife Howard and Karen Schwartz in the early 80s. Much later in the decade, step aerobics were devised by college gymnast Jen Miller as a way to rehab a knee injury and get a similar workout at the same time. Another offshoot of aerobics is known as jazzercise, and the Golden Girls were practically professionals at it, referencing it in three separate episodes. In season one's Blanche and the Younger Man, written by Stan Zimmerman and James Berg, and directed by Jim Drake, Blanche gets a ride home from Dirk, her aerobics instructor, who asks her out on a date. Well, thanks again for the ride home, Dirk. I'll see you at Tuesday's Jazzercise class. I'll see you then. Okay. Unless I see you before then. I mean, if you wouldn't mind, maybe we could go out. My Dirk, did I just hear you ask me for a date? Are you deaf? I heard him from here. (laughs) She spends the entire episode smitten, and it sets up one of the greatest and most iconic zingers in Golden Girls history. You know what I think? I think I can handle this relationship with Dirk. I'm going out with him Saturday night. Was there ever any doubt? Momentarily. This is strictly off the record, but Dirk's nearly five years younger than I am. Then what, Blanche? Dog years? Once they finally go out, Blanche learns that outside of aerobics class, she and Dirk don't have a lot in common. So, what did you do before you got into teaching aerobics? I worked at a museum. You're kidding me. I work at a museum. I love art. Me too. I love lifting it. I beg your pardon? I used to unload the trucks. And I don't know why, but lifting those statues really helped develop my deltoids. See? Yes, that's fascinating. Put that down, honey. Read any good books lately? Pumping Iron. I saw the movie too, but I don't think it did the book justice. How could it? Sadly for Blanche, the relationship implodes when Dirk says he likes her because she reminds him of his mother. Way to go, Dirk. Dashing Dirk was played by actor Charles Hill, who only has a few other TV credits to his name. He played a Civil War captain in the TV movie Rebel Love and had one-shot appearances on daytime drama Texas and syndicated sitcom It's a Living. Blanche and the Younger Man is notable because it's the first time we meet Rose's mother, Alma Lindstrom, who was played by veteran radio, movie, and TV actress Jeanette Nolan. We'll talk more about her in a later episode. At the time of shooting, both Betty White and B. Arthur's mothers were both very ill with Arthur's mom, Rebecca, passing away just two days before taping. Writer Stan Zimmerman says producers offered to postpone the taping, but Arthur wanted to go on. The last scene, in which Sophia thanks Dorothy for not treating her like an old lady, as Rose had done with her mother, still has an effect on Zimmerman. Quote, B had trouble doing the scene, and they had to do it a few times. And whenever I see that scene, I always choke up, because you can see B choking up. She can't even look at the camera, she has to look away, end quote. 
Back to Jazzercise. Flirting is what Blanche does best, and in season two's The Stan Who Came to Dinner, written by Kathy Spear and Terry Grossman, we find that she thinks of courtship, even ones that don't go anywhere, as a form of exercise in and of themselves. Blanche, you were unfaithful to George? Oh, of course not. I was only flirting. There's nothing wrong with that. It keeps you healthy, keeps you in shape, keeps your buttocks firm. And I wasted all that time on jazzercise. And then we have The Audit, a season three episode also written by Hervey. Stan tells Dorothy that the IRS is coming for them, and it leads to a lot of arguing over who spent what, where, and why. Stanley, what are all these deductions for a Corvette and a rented garage? Dorothy, don't get mad, and don't hit me if you do. I kind of bought a Corvette without telling you. You bought a car without telling me. I couldn't help myself. I was going through a midlife crisis. So was I. I gave myself a perm and took up jazzercise. (laughs) You bought a car without telling me? Jazzercise might seem like a relic of the 80s, but that couldn't be further from the truth. The movement was started in 1969 by dance teacher Judy Shepard Missett, who, like Jackie Sorensen around the same time, taught wives on military bases who wanted a simple way to stay healthy, look good, and feel good. Based on her dance experience, the moves were designed to focus not just on cardio, but on strength and flexibility as well. Soon, Missette started teaching her students how to teach her routines themselves, and started a company she still personally oversees to this day. In addition to still teaching jazzercise classes at the age of 73, she continues to choreograph routines, select all the music, and update the program to keep it fresh for her 8,300 current franchises around the world. Judy Shepard Missette was one of the early adopters of workouts on videotape that people could use at home in their spare time instead of having to go to a gym. Millions of tapes were sold throughout the decade, and that revolution also came to the Golden Girls too. In season four's Till Death Do We Volley, Dorothy gets a visit from her old pal Trudy McMahon. When Trudy arrives at the house, she finds out Dorothy's mother hasn't changed a bit. Mrs. Petrillo, is that you? No, it's Jane Fonda. (laughs) We are going to talk a lot about Till Death Do We Volley in the first show of our next season. Instead, let's talk about Jane Fonda and her contribution to the workout craze of the 80s. By the early 80s, Jane Fonda was 44 and had graduated from being the daughter of screen legend Henry Fonda, to being an international sex symbol, to being a rabble-rousing activist on an FBI watch list, to being a two-time Oscar winner. So she was kind of a big deal. She also suffered with an eating disorder for her entire adult life, and had recently begun seeing the value in exercise as a way to get her body healthy. But when she injured her foot on the set of The China Syndrome, she couldn't do the ballet that had been her main source of calorie burning. She met instructor Lenny Kasdan, who taught fitness classes in Beverly Hills, California, and the two ended up opening up their own gym together. The popularity of that business, in which Fonda also taught classes, led to Jane Fonda's workout book, a mainstay on the New York Times bestseller list for two years. 
Meanwhile, across the country in New York, Debbie Carl told her husband, instructional videotape publisher Stuart Carl, that she wished Fonda would have a video so that women who didn't want to go to the gym could exercise at home. Approached by the Carls to turn her workouts into cassettes, Fonda was at first very skeptical, not the least of which because doing so wouldn't be a great look for an award-winning feature film actress. Plus, no one had ever made a workout tape before, so the business model didn't exist. But Carl didn't give up, and Fonda eventually agreed, using her own instructors as background bodies, an acquaintance as director, writing her own script, and doing her own hair, makeup, and wardrobe. Her tight leotards and leg warmers were a tribute to her ballet roots. Released in May of 1982, the tapes sold like hotcakes right off the bat. Even at $70 a pop, Fonda and Carl sold over 200,000 copies that first year. That success not only kicked off a craze of home workout videos and a run on people buying their own treadmills, but a fashion craze as well, with everyone suddenly needing their own leotards and leg warmers to do Fonda's strength and flexibility routines. So Dorothy can blame Jane Fonda for Yvonne giving her the hard sell on those clothes at the gym. Fonda would continue to release workout tapes and DVDs until 2010, when she made her final one at age 72 with a focus on seniors. Her first video has sold over 17 million copies since it's released 35 years ago, more than enough to get Fonda inducted into the Video Hall of Fame. In Blanche and the Younger Man, Blanche uses a workout tape that sounds suspiciously like Jane Fonda's to prepare for her date with Dirk, while Dorothy looks on in skepticism. The only time I get in that position is when I give birth. Ash, my back. Are you all right? No, but it's worth it. No pain, no gain. Gotta look good for Dirk. A man his age is used to a trim body with good tone. Then buy him a princess phone. (laughs) After Jane Fonda, Lots of other celebrities released workout videos, too. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Marie Osmond, and even Angela Lansbury all put out home fitness tapes. One famous person who didn't was... Morning, Ma. Hey, what are you eating? Linguini with clam sauce. Who eats linguini with clam sauce for breakfast? Mother Teresa. It's a recipe from her new workout book. (laughs) That's a line from And Then There Was One the Russell Marcus written show we featured in episode 10, when we discussed the life and career of Estelle Getty. Mother Teresa, the Macedonian-born Albanian-Indian free nun, was born in 1910, so by the 80s, she might have been a little too old to hit the gym. She was also far too busy, working with the Missionaries of Charity, which she founded in 1963, and pledging her life to helping those afflicted with HIV, AIDS, leprosy, and tuberculosis, and managing orphanages, hospices, soup kitchens, and care centers, and generally caring for the poorest of the poor wherever they may be. She was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. In 1982, the same year Jane Fonda's first workout video was released, Mother Teresa brokered a temporary ceasefire between Israel and Palestine to help get 37 hospitalized children out of Beirut. She died in 1997 and was beatified in 2003 making her officially a saint of the Catholic Church. 
So Mother Teresa never put out a workout tape. But you know who did? Estelle Getty, who released an hour-long workout video for seniors 55 and over in 1993. Working with fitness expert Raphael Picot, she made Young at Heart body conditioning with Estelle Getty, with older people in mind. In a wheelchair, got a can of lima beans around to use as a weight, then this is the workout for you. Congratulations, you figured out how to turn on your VCR. That's the hardest part of this exercise video. After that, I guarantee it's a piece of cake. Hello, I'm Estelle Getty. Between you and me, I wasn't always the fitness goddess you see here today. This positive attitude took work. Throughout this program, I've been making jokes about my age. But one thing that's no joke to me is the importance of exercise for senior citizens. Who wants to look like this? As people grow older, they get small. If I got any smaller, you'd mistake me for a peanut. Well, here's a peanut who's determined not to get any smaller. Rites of Spring is a very funny episode. So funny, in fact, that it's easy to forget that it's a clip show without any real narrative of its own. A few Golden Girls episodes are like that. The way we met, Valentine's Day, Bedtime Story. All of them have memorable jokes that are used in other Golden Girls compilations and get quoted by fans all the time. Not every show is such a perfectly tuned machine that a single scene unrelated to those around it or to a larger story can stand on its own. The Golden Girls is one of those shows. The only other one I could think of is Seinfeld, which has so many funny scenes covering so many nonsensical topics that it can be hard to remember which episode those scenes actually came from. As a kid in the 80s, I remember the fitness craze and the avalanche of workout tapes that came around at the same time. I also remember getting a copy of the Angela Lansbury workout tape from a friend of mine once for my birthday. We never watched it, but it was a funny thing for people to see sitting on a shelf. Thanks for listening to Season 2 of Golden Girls Sports. Once again, we'll be taking a few weeks off to compile more sports jokes on the show and bring them to light. When we come back, we'll talk tennis, basketball, wrestling, and a certain bald yutz who shall remain nameless at this time. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you can, and tell your friends about us. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. Golden Girls Sports is written, produced, and narrated by Dan Saracini. The theme is Golden Sunrise, instrumental version, by Josh Woodward, and is available at freemusicarchive.org. Visit goldengirlsportspodcast.com for show notes and references, and follow us on Twitter at Golden Girls SP. Thanks for listening.